Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. World Championship Wrestling Time. But the sport once completely dominated by men now finds itself invaded by pinup girls of the pinned down world. I beheld this vicious, countenanced woman wrestle and tussle in the most ungodly manner. My heart sank as I felt weak and sick that a woman could stoop to such performances. The reaction of a spectator from Galveston in Texas to the extracurricular actions of Cora Livingston in 1915. Cora was the first recognized women's wrestling champion of sorts. You'd find Cora at carnivals, throwing down open challenges. It was a much-loved part of the carnival show. She stepped out, and the ringmaster would challenge any man in the audience to try and take her down. Doing so, earning $25. Now, this would be about 500 bucks today, which is a night-changing amount of money for felling some small dame. Now, many would step up and they would all meet the same fate, getting floored by Cora Livingston. Cora was very much a pioneer, but never saw a career beyond the carnivals. She was, however, unknowingly building a mold that 682 miles away, a fellow fierce female would break. Our story begins in Coffeyville a city in Montgomery County, Kansas. It was James A. Coffey who founded the city as an Indian trading post in 1869. Coffey and his colleague, US Army Captain Blanton, both wanted to give the town a different name. They did a coin toss and Coffey won. So it was officially named Coffeyville. I assume the other name was Blantonville, which isn't as catchy, is it? It was on August the 5th in 1915 that the Bliss family welcomed their sixth child, Mildred. Even as a young girl, Mildred had an interest in sports and was showing agility and strength unlike those of her age. Coffeyville was also in the midst of a boom period when Mildred arrived, as it turned out to be a site of natural gas and clay, which made a lot of coin. It was also, however, 800 miles away on the Zuni Indian Reservation where 15-year-old Mildred would start her first job as a waitress. At 18, Mildred left for California with her boyfriend. However, that life didn't quite pan out. And the pair ended up a short while later in Kansas City. I left Frisco Kate swinging on the Golden Gate. When Kansas City kitties smile at me. Kansas City in the 1930s was a place of innovation. It was where William T. Kemper rose to prominence as a powerful financial figure, later honored with the Kemper Arena. 
JC Hall founded the Hallmark Cards Company here, and it was where the Laughagram Studios were set up by plucky, ambitious animator Walt Disney. More importantly, Kansas City had a love for pro wrestling. It was all popping off in the wrestling world when Mildred Bliss came to town. The Missouri Athletic Commission were running an elimination tournament to determine the number one contender to Gus Sonnenberg's World Championship. The tournament saw the likes of Dan Koloff, Ed Strangler Lewis, Dan Pezek, all competing on a nightly basis for the right to challenge the beloved world champ. The crowd begins to arrive to witness the milk fund match between Ed Strangler Lewis and Richard Dick Schickard of Germany. There goes another headlock for the third time. Schickard goes down, even the referee down at all, Anthony, and he's patting him. There he is, Lewis the winner. Mildred only needed one night at the wrestling to get bitten by the bug. The dream became to step between the ropes and wrestle. That time, however, was some time away. Bliss was working as a stenographer during the day, was an expectant mother, and her husband had left town, leaving Bliss a struggling solo parent. Bliss's mother had moved to Kansas City in order to help her daughter out. Together, they set up a cafe with depression-busting prices. So Bliss was balancing working as a stenographer, helping her mum in the cafe, and preparing for life as a single mum. Wrestling would have to wait. It was a typical day in the cafe where something would happen that would set Mildred's path off in an atypical direction. Well, it wasn't something... It was someone. Billy Wolf was the middleweight wrestling champion of Missouri when he stopped by the cafe. He'd been drafted during World War I, and that was where he discovered the art of wrestling. His win-by-any-means style had earned him plaudits from his colleagues, uh, not so much by his opponents, though. Wolf had also turned his hand to training aspiring wrestlers, mainly female competitors, which led to him divorcing his wife and remarrying trainee Barbara Ware. He was taken by Mildred the moment they first met. You can probably see where this is going. Following the birth of her child, Mildred pursued Billy Wolf, persistently requesting he train her to wrestle. Wolf refused, claiming that Mildred was, and I quote, no bigger than a pint of piss. Despite having a strong physique, Mildred was just about five foot two and weighed around 130 pounds. Wolf was adamant she would be obliterated in a shoot fight or expose wrestling in a worked one. Now, at this point in time, the latter was worse than the former. Mildred wouldn't have it, though. She continued to pester Wolf to teach her. One day, he relented and set up a training schedule that he hoped would put off Mildred and put the whole thing to bed. Our story moves to Billy Wolf's gym in Kansas City. Wolf is pacing outside the ring, apprehensive of what was about to happen. In the ring stood Gypsy Joe Snyder, a well-built male trainee in shorts and boots. Opposite him, in a bathing suit and sneakers, was Mildred Bliss. Oh, and there's a ringside VIP as well, as Mildred's son Joe is in a bassinet on a nearby bench. He was ringside for his mum's first in-ring action. Wolf promised to put a few dollars in his trainee Snyder's pocket if he could quickly and efficiently take out Mildred. In her unreleased autobiography, Mildred Burke 
shares what happened moments later. Slipping across the ring, he immediately picked me up, spun me, and proceeded to body slam me. Except it didn't quite turn out that way. By some deep instinct, some quirk of talent, or flash of intuition, when I hit the mat, I pulled him down and instantly took the top of him. The gypsy was flat on his back with me on top of him. I saw Billy Wolf, slack-jawed and pop-eyed. Billy huddled with Gypsy Joe, and after a brief deliberation, called for a rematch. Mildred tells us how that went. I picked up the gypsy boy. Up in the air he went, and then I slammed him down hard. Dust rose in a parching cloud from the impact. Whatever move used against me, I learned it immediately. That day, Billy Wolf saw red, and then he saw dollar signs. Realizing this wrestling prodigy could make him a lot of money, he began training Mildred Bliss. Mildred and Billy became much closer than teacher and student. If you predicted that prolific womanizer Billy Wolf would divorce his second wife for Mildred, then down your drinks, because that's what happened. Just a few months shy of her 20th birthday, Mildred was on the carnival wrestling circuit. But this was no ordinary carnival circuit. No, no. This was the Landis Show, the largest motorized carnival in the Middle West of America. When Landis was in town, it was a very special occasion. Among the bright lights, the dizzying rides, and the glow of a country coming out of the Great Depression was Mildred Bliss, wearing a simple black bathing suit, treading the path well-worn by Cora Livingston. Billy was acting as ringmaster, offering 25 big ones to whoever could fell his star attraction. Throughout her time at the carnival, roughly 150 men gave this a shot, chests and brains bursting with misplaced masculinity. Those chests would have the wind knocked from them and those brains would be rattled with a quick, precise takedown moments later. It was during her time on the carnival circuit that Mildred Bliss became Mildred Burke. Wolf made the change one night whilst announcing her. He believed Bliss was too associated with the phrase ignorance is bliss and there was just something about the burke name that he liked her name wasn't important though because she was unstoppable (laughs) stories of burke's battles went far and wide i wrestled farmers mechanics carpenters and blacksmiths in a bewildering array, body types, and wrestling styles. There was the string bean type, the squat guy who was built like a packing case, and there was the occasional roly-poly. They were pushers, rushers, headlock artists, scissormen, butters, and sluggers. Every single one of them was driven by his own macho thing, and it was vital to all not to be beaten by a young girl in front of their hometown people. The Los Angeles Times shares one particular encounter that took place at a carnival show in Bethany, Missouri. One guy was supposed to wrestle her. A Bethany short order cook was so scared that the promoter had to send the sheriff after him. When the lawman finally dragged him to the arena from behind his counter, the guy protested he couldn't wrestle Mildred Burke because he had no trunks. So Burke, the crowd cheering her on, took hers off and gave them to her opponent. Then she pinned him. (laughs) 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. There was no challenge in the carnival matches for Mildred Burke, but there was a real conflict away from it. Burke and Wolf had married, and Billy had revealed himself to be a womanizing tyrant and a bully towards all those he trained. Their relationship quickly became toxic, with Wolf constantly sleeping around. There was also an incident that saw Wolf strike Mildred's son, Joe, to which Mildred stood up to Billy and said, If you ever touch Joey again, I'll wait till you're asleep, and then I will cut your head off. It's Mildred Burke of Los Angeles, California, world champion... Defending her crown against Mae Weston of Columbus, Ohio. The referee is a gentle soul, and he tells the girls that he's any rough, ungentlemanly fighting. And, of course, our lady wrestlers are never ungentlemanly. Soon, Mildred's reputation saw her leaving Missouri and taking on all comers across the states. She was stepping away from carnivals and into arenas. By the late 30s, Mildred Burke had become a superstar. When she rolled into town, it was an event that everybody wanted to be a part of. She was on the front of newspapers and magazines, and at her peak, she was making over four times more than pro baseball players. She was constantly on the road, wrestling every night of the week, constantly hurting, but constantly winning. That does it. Once again, Mildred Burke emerges world champion woman wrestler. Listen to that ovation. It was on June the 19th, 1941, that Mildred Burke was competing on a card in Jacksonville, Florida. She was facing a young up-and-comer, by the name of May Young. Young said in interviews after the match that Mildred Burke had been the inspiration behind her and an entire generation of females getting into wrestling as a way to make ends meet during the Depression. If it hadn't been for Mildred Burke, May Young may have never been put through that table by Bubba Ray Dudley.
Another woman who was inspired by Mildred Burke was banging heads in Tennessee. It was in the southern states where the Jiffy clothing steamer was founded, where baseball Hall of Famer Willie Mays was cutting his teeth as part of the Chattanooga Choo Choo's, and where the eternal woman, Clara Mortensen, was calling out and emasculating unwitting carnival goers looking for an easy payday. Mortensen, perfecting the tried and tested Cora Livingston formula, had a management team behind her that saw an even bigger moneymaker than dropping marks, and they proposed a showdown between Clara Mortensen and Mildred Burke to determine an undisputed women's wrestling champion. Mortensen looked to get a psychological victory over her rival around this time, picking up a high-profile victory over a wrestler by the name of Molly Burke. Several newspapers at the time, only aware of one Burke in wrestling, had mistakenly printed Mildred Burke, which is exactly what the Eternal Woman's team were hoping they would do. Soon, more eyes than ever were on the two most prominent figures in a burgeoning women's wrestling scene. Mildred Burke travelled south to face Mortensen on a cold night in Birmingham, Alabama. When Millie and Billy arrived, it became apparent that the match was rigged for the hometown hero, Clara, to go over. Billy Wolf spoke up about this, but following a swift kicking by some of Clara's management team, he decided to come round to the idea. Darling, I was going to tell you, you missed that once before. So there you are, one, two, three. Despite Mildred losing, they took the show around the Southern Belt. Same formula every night. The Southern Belle beating the out-of-towner Mildred Burke. Losing every night wasn't what Mildred signed up for, and Clara's management weren't willing to let their charge lose to Burke. So, a shoot fight was pitched for the end of the tour. Clara was up for it, flushed with confidence that she could drop the overhyped Millie with or without a script. And Millie, of course, was up for it as well. The shoot was set for Chattanooga, Tennessee. It didn't take long from one bell to the other as Mildred Burke showed why she was the leader of her generation and took Clara Mortensen to the mat. However, the referee saw things a little differently and disqualified Mildred for allegedly using an illegal submission hold. It was unclear at first what led the referee to make that decision. It may have been the lighting in the arena or maybe the positioning of the competitors or maybe the money that Clara's team had pushed into the referee's hand before the match started. Actually, I'm pretty sure it was the last one. Mildred Burke was on the receiving end of the Chattanooga screw job. And it wasn't just Burke that knew it. The fans rushed the ring, hoisting Mildred onto their shoulders, handing her the championship belt that she had rightfully earned. Mildred wants to keep her championship, and in a roundabout way, she does. She wasn't the Southern Belle, but the audience that night knew who the better woman was. Now, reports suggest that following the match, Mildred headed back to the locker room where she beat the living daylights out of Clara Mortensen. Mildred Burke, a force of nature in and out of the wrestling ring, who had no issue with biting a pit bull in its own backyard. This rivalry burned for many decades following this. Some 40 years later, both Mildred and Clara were invited to the Cauliflower Alley Club to be honoured, but neither wanted to go if the other was going to be there. 
Burke's star was bursting into the stratosphere and nobody could stop her. Not even her husband, Billy Wolf. Their relationship, as we previously discussed, had become toxic from the off. Wolf had always been the controlling partner in a relationship. Now, he found himself unable to oppress Mildred Burke as he had his previous wives and girlfriends. Wolf had decided that Mildred Burke wasn't the right person to lead the women's wrestling world. He was. Believe me, right? If Billy could have, he'd have fought and dethroned Mildred Burke himself. But he needed to find a ruthless female competitor to bring her down. And boy, did he try. And despite years of psychological and sometimes physical torment, Mildred Burke would not be broken by Billy Wolf. After their 20th wedding anniversary, she filed for divorce. Billy took a large financial settlement from the end of the marriage, and Mildred took her freedom. She traveled around the world, to Canada, to Mexico, to Japan, and grew her legacy. Even though they were no longer bound by marital vows, however, Wolf remained in the shadows of Burke's career. When Mildred fought to get the Women's Championship recognized by the National Wrestling Alliance, it was a vengeful Wolf that got her blackballed from the NWA for decades. It was soon after this, in 1954, that Burke found herself on the receiving end of a second wrestling screw job. It's Mildred Burke of Los Angeles, California, world champion, defending her crown against June Myers of Houston, Texas, reflects the muscles, the bell is sounded, out into the center of the ring they come. August the 20th of that year, Mildred Burke faced June Byers, the daughter-in-law of Billy Wolf. There was already some legitimate animosity between these two. There had been some crossed words in locker rooms up and down the country. June Byers feeling very full of herself, having been connected to one of the most powerful men in women's wrestling. The legitimate angst between these two was a fire that had no doubt been stoked by Billy Wolf, and it turned this two out of three falls match into a shoot fight. Early into the match, Mildred's knee popped out. Burke would deliberately lose the first fall in the hopes of fighting stronger in the second. Also, it allowed her time to get a brief respite and pop her knee back in. 40 plus minutes of grappling passed before the referee called the match off. Since there was no official winner, Mildred believed to still be the champion, took the belt and left. But the record books and the newspapers recorded it as a win for June Byers and a new champion crowned. You see, Byers had gone one fall up and the referee had deemed that Mildred Burke was unable to continue. A referee that was in the pocket of Billy Wolf. The world's women's wrestling champion, June Myers! Burke had lost the championship that she had carried with honor and pride for over 20 years. But there would forever be doubt over that contest. Mildred fought and clawed to the very end, and it would take overwhelming odds and a crooked referee to pry the title from her hands. You should always leave something better than you found it. And that's what Mildred Burke set out to do. On September 17th, 1965, Superior Judge Harold F. Collins finally lifted the ban 
on women's wrestling in California. And Mildred Burke set up the World Women's Wrestling Association. She started training wrestlers, putting on shows in an abandoned warehouse on Van Nuys Boulevard. And it was inside this nondescript building that Mildred Burke would leave her legacy. Burke was teaching mat fundamentals and also showing women how to handle themselves in the greasy, cutthroat, but sometimes very lucrative world of pro wrestling. By the late 60s, the fabulous Moolah very much had a monopoly on training women's wrestlers. She had a vice grip on who went where in America. However, Burke's teachings would sculpt the wrestling landscape of Japan. The WWWA Championship that she had founded went to Japan and would be regularly defended in the land of the rising sun. Many of Burke's students would live out dream careers in Japan, including Ronda Singh, known in Japan as the Monster Ripper, and in the WWF as Bertha Faye. There would be no Joshi women's wrestling without the teachings of Mildred Burke. The Mildred Burke School for Lady Wrestlers also began to promote mixed matches. This is where the women would wrestle the men. They also realized there were quite a few wrestling fans around the country that would happily pay good money for film and photographs from these matches. A 15-minute wrestling match could sell for $52. The business did so well that they were able to upgrade the gym in North Hollywood and train even more students. You should always leave something better than you found it. Mildred Burke passed away aged 73 following a stroke at her home in Northridge, California. Today, women's championship titles are recognized in every major wrestling company. And whilst the conversation on intergender wrestling is one still being chewed over, history will remember Mildred Burke, who, regardless of your gender, will happily drop you on your head. Mildred Burke, every bit a pro wrestling trailblazer. Yes, indeed. It's a fast-changing world we live in. Man, move on. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 